Chapter Six, Part One of *The Betrothed*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. *The Betrothed* by Alessandro Manzoni. Chapter Six, Part One. How can I obey you? said Don Rodrigo, standing in the middle of the room. His words were these, but the tone in which they were pronounced clearly meant to say, Remember before whom you are standing. Take heed to your words, and be expeditious. There was no surer or quicker way of inspiring Friar Cristoforo with courage than to address him with haughtiness. He had stood waveringly, and at a loss for words, passing through his fingers the beads of the rosary that hung at his girdle, as if he hoped to find in some of them an introduction to his speech. But at this behavior of Don Rodrigo's, there instantly rose to his mind more to say than he had want of. Immediately, however, recollecting how important it was not to spoil his work, or, what was far worse, the work he had undertaken for others, he corrected and tempered the language that had presented itself to his mind, and said, with a cautious humility, I come to propose to you an act of justice to supplicate a deed of mercy. Some men of bad character have made use of the name of your illustrious lordship to alarm a poor curate and dissuade him from performing his duty, and to oppress two innocent persons. You can confound them by a word, restore all to order, and relieve those who are so shamefully wronged. You are able to do it, and being able, conscience, honor. You will be good enough to talk of my conscience when I ask your advice about it. As to my honor, I beg to inform you, I am the guardian of it, and I only, and that whoever dares intrude himself to share the guardianship with me, I regard as a rash man who offends against it. Friar Cristoforo, perceiving from these words that the Signor sought to put a wrong construction on all he said, and to turn the discourse into a dispute, so as to prevent his coming to the main point, bound himself still more rigidly to be patient, and to swallow every insult he might please to offer. He therefore replied in a subdued tone, If I had said anything to offend you, I certainly did not intend it. Correct me, reprove me, if I do not speak becomingly, but deign to listen to me, for heaven's sake for the sake of that God whose presence we must all appear. And in saying this, he took between his hands the little cross of wood appended to his rosary, and held it up before the eyes of his frowning auditor. Be not obstinately resolved to refuse an act of justice so easy and so due to the poor. Remember that God's eye is ever over them, and that their imprecations are heard above. Innocence is powerful in his. Aha! Father, sharply interrupted Don Rodrigo, the respect I bear to your habit is great, but if anything could make me forget it, it would be to see it on one who dares to come as a spy into my house. These words brought a crimson glow upon the cheeks of the friar, but with the countenance of one who swallows a very bitter medicine, he replied, You do not think I deserve such a title. You feel in your heart the act I am now performing is neither wicked nor contemptible. Listen to me, Signor Don Rodrigo, 
and heaven grant a day may not come in which you will have to repent of not having listened to me. I will not lessen your honor. What honor, Signor Don Rodrigo? What honor in the sight of men? What honor in the sight of God? You have much in your power, but... Don't you know, said Don Rodrigo, interrupting him in an agitated tone, the mingled effect of anger and remorse, don't you know that when the fancy takes me to hear a sermon, I can go to church like other people, but in my own house, oh, continued he, with a forced smile of mockery, you treat me as though I were of higher rank than I am. It is only princes who have a preacher in their own houses. And that God who requires princes to render an account of the word preached to them in their palaces, that God now bestows upon you a token of his mercy by sending his minister, though indeed a poor and unworthy one, to intercede for an innocent. In short, Father, said Don Rodrigo, preparing to go, I don't know what you mean. I can only suppose there must be some young girl you are concerned about. Make confidants of whom you please, but don't have the insurance to annoy a gentleman any longer. On the movement of Don Rodrigo, the friar also advanced, reverently placing himself in his way, raised his hands, both in an attitude of supplication and also to detain him, and again replied, I am concerned for her, it is true, but not more than for yourself. There are two persons who concern me more than my own life, Don Rodrigo, I can only pray for you, but this I will do with my whole heart. Do not say no to me. Do not keep a poor innocent in anguish and terror. One word from you will do all. Well, said Don Rodrigo, since you seem to think I can do so much for this person, since you are so much interested for her. Well, said Father Cristoforo anxiously, while the behavior and countenance of Don Rodrigo forbade his indulging in the hope which the words appeared to warrant. Well, advise her to come and put herself under my protection. She shall want for nothing, and no one shall dare molest her, as I am a gentleman. At such a proposal, the indignation of the friar, hitherto with difficulty confined within bounds, burst forth without restraint. All his good resolutions of prudence and patience forsook him. The old nature usurped the place of the new, and in these cases, Father Cristoforo was indeed like two different men. "'Your protection!' exclaimed he, retiring a step or two, and fiercely resting on his right foot, his right hand placed on his hip, his left held up, pointing with his forefinger towards Don Rodrigo, and two fiery glancing eyes piercingly fixed upon him. "'Your protection! Woe be to you that you have thus spoken, that you have made me such a proposal!' You have filled up the measure of your iniquity, and I no longer fear you. How are you speaking to me, friar? I speak as to one who is forsaken by God, and who can no longer excite fear. I knew that this innocent was under God's protection, but you, you have now made me feel it with so much certainty that I have no longer need to ask protection of you. Lucia, I say. Sihir pronounced his name with a bold face and unmoved expression. What, in this house? I pity this house. A curse is suspended over it. 
you will see whether the justice of god can be resisted by four walls and four bravos at your gates thought you that god had made a creature in his image to give you the delight of tormenting her thought you that he would not defend her you have despised his counsel and you will be judged for it the heart of pharaoh was hardened like yours but god knew how to break it lucia is safe from you i do not hesitate to say so though a poor friar and as to you listen what i protect to you a day will come don rodrigo had stood till now with a mingled feeling of rage and mute astonishment but on hearing the beginning of this prediction an undefined and mysterious fear was added to his anger hastily seizing the father's outstretched arm and raising his voice to drown that of the inauspicious prophet he exclaimed get out of my sight rash villain cowled rascal these definite appellations calmed father cristoforo in a moment the idea of submission and silence had been so long associated in his mind with that of contempt and injury that at this compliment every feeling of warmth and enthusiasm instantly subsided and he only resolved to listen patiently to whatever don rodrigo might be pleased to subjoin quietly then withdrawing his hand from the signora's grasp he stood motionless with his head bent downwards as an aged tree in the sudden lulling of an overbearing storm resumes its natural position and receives on its drooping branches the hail as heaven sends it vile upstart continued don rodrigo you treat me like an equal but thank the cassock that covers your cowardly shoulders for saving you from the caresses that such scoundrels as you should receive to teach them how to talk to a gentleman depart with sound limbs for this once or we shall see so saying he pointed with imperious scorn to a door opposite the one they had entered and father cristoforo bowed his head and departed leaving don rodrigo to measure with excited steps the field of battle when the friar had closed the door behind him he perceived someone in the apartment he had entered stealing softly along the wall that he might not be seen from the room of conference and he instantly recognized the aged servant who had received him at the door on his arrival this man had lived in the family for forty years that is since before don rodrigo's birth having been in the service of his father who was a very different kind of man on his death the new master dismissed all the household and hired a fresh set of attendants retaining however this one servant both because he was old and because although of a temper and habits widely different from his own he made amends for this defect by two qualifications a lofty idea of the dignity of the house and long experience in its ceremonials with the most ancient traditions and minute particulars of which he was better acquainted than any one else in the presence of his master the poor old man never ventured a sign still less an expression of his disapprobation of what he saw around him every day but at times he could scarcely refrain from some exclamation some reproof murmured between his lips to his fellow-servants they highly diverted at his remarks would sometimes urge him to conversation provoking him to find fault within the present state of things and to sound the praises of the ancient way of living in the family 
his censures only came to his master's ears accompanied by a relation of the ridicule bestowed upon them so that they merely succeeded in making him an object of contempt without resentment on days of ceremony and entertainment however the old man became a person of serious importance father cristoforo looked at him as he passed saluted him and was about to go forward but the old man approached with a mysterious air put his forefinger on his lips and then beckoned him with the said forefinger to accompany him into a dark passage where in an undertone he said father i have heard all and i want to speak to you speak up then at once my good man not here woe to us if the master saw us but i can learn much and will try to come to-morrow to the convent is there some project something's in the wind that's certain i had already suspected it but now i will be on the watch and will find out all leave it to me i happen to see and hear things strange things i am in a house but i wish to save my soul god bless you said the friar softly pronouncing the benediction as he laid his hand on the servant's head who though much older than himself bent before him with the respect of a son god will reward you continued the friar don't fail to come to me to-morrow i will be sure to come replied the servant but do you go quickly and for heaven's sake don't betray me so saying and looking cautiously around he went out at the other end of the passage into a hall that led into the courtyard and seeing the coast clear beckoned to the good friar whose face responded to the last injunction more plainly than any protestations could have done the old man pointed to the door and the friar departed without further delay this servant had been listening at his master's door had he done right and was father cristoforo right in praising him for it according to the commonest and most generally received rules it was a very dishonest act but might not this case be regarded as an exception and are there not exceptions to the most generally received rules these are questions which we leave to the reader to resolve at his pleasure we do not pretend to give judgment it is enough that we relate facts having reached the road he turned his back on this wild beast's den father cristoforo breathed more freely as he hastened down the descent his face flushed and his mind as every one may imagine agitated and confused by what he had recently heard and said but the unexpected proffer of the old man had been a great relief to him it seemed as if heaven had given him a visible token of its protection here is a clue thought he that providence has put into my hands in this very house too and without my even dreaming of looking for one engaged in such thoughts he raised his eyes towards the west and seeing the setting sun already touching the summit of the mountain was reminded that the day was fast drawing to a close he therefore quickened his steps though weary and weak after the many annoyances of the day that he might have time to carry back his intelligence such as it was to his protégés and arrive at the convent before night for this was one of the most absolute and strictly enforced rules of the capuchin discipline end of chapter 6 part 1